Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Who doesn't love surprises? And by surprises, I mean those good surprises, the good kind. Like receiving a promotion or an unexpected bonus at work. Or someone taking a chore off your plate. Or you're becoming a new parent or a grandparent. Or receiving a visit or a call from an old friend that you haven't heard from in years. The list of these surprising surprises are almost endless, aren't they? So who doesn't love surprises? Again, those good kind of surprises. And this day is certainly filled with surprises, isn't it? And I'm not referring to the presents that you're eagerly waiting to unwrap or have unwrapped. I'm not referring to the visits by individuals that you haven't seen in a while. I'm referring to the Word of God that's set before us on this Christmas day. It's full of great surprises. In fact, the entirety of Scripture is full of great surprises. Unfortunately, we don't always see them like we should because we've become so familiar with the narratives of Scripture. As we've heard them time and time again, we begin to lose sight of the great things that God has done and that He continues to do among us. And this is the temptation of the devil and the sinful flesh, that we become bored with God's word, that we wouldn't hold God's word sacred or gladly hear and learn it. And so on this day, that is the nativity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we pray that God would open our eyes to see the great surprises he has for us. First and foremost, I want you to consider the familiar text of man's fall into sin. You're familiar with it? Here the first man, Adam, disobeyed God's command not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And as a result of this disobedience, Adam brought sin and death into God's perfect creation. Because of the one man's disobedience, all men are conceived born with original sin passed on from father to his children at the time of conception. Because of this, we're all sinners, born enemies of God, spiritually dead, without free will to choose between right and wrong. Now, as Adam and Eve just broke the entire universe bringing upon it sin and death, we would think that the almighty, the all-powerful God would come down to earth and smite them, that he would wipe them off the face of the earth and start anew. Right? That's what we should be expecting. And yet, here's the great surprise. Instead of man dying for his sin... God says, I'll die for your sin. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall crush your head and you shall crush his heel. Even though man 
brought sin and death into God's creation, God himself, the seed of the woman, would bring life and salvation to man. What a great surprise. Years later, a man and his wife walked in sin and unbelief. They served other gods. And you know what their names are? Abram and Sarah. Again, we would think that the holy, almighty God would come down to earth, pour out his wrath and punishment upon them for their unbelief. And yet, while they deserve nothing but condemnation and eternal death, here's the great surprise. God doesn't. Instead, he calls unbelieving Abram out of his pagan surroundings, setting him apart to live by his promise. It's the promise that through his seed, all people on earth would be blessed. What a great surprise. Years later, a little shepherd boy would be anointed king over Israel, and his name... David. As King David dwelt in a house of cedar, and the ark of God dwelt in the tent, David desired to build a magnificent temple for the Lord. And in our minds, how could God say no? David was a man after God's own heart, walking in his ways. He drove out the pagans from the promised land, and as a result, God had given his people rest from their enemies. And now, with the prophet Nathan's blessing, King David likely was eager to start building the temple. And yet, a great surprise. God says, no. As if he didn't need a house. As if he didn't want a better house. And not only does God say no, he gives King David this wonderful promise. When your days are filled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you. And you shall come from, and he shall come from your body. And I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Time and time and time again, throughout the pages of the Holy Scripture, God is surprising us. He acts in ways that we don't expect. To those who don't deserve mercy, God shows mercy. To the sinner, God speaks words of forgiveness instead of condemnation. To the unbeliever, he speaks the promise of future blessings. Certainly this doesn't give us a license to sin. But I say these things in order to highlight the truth that God surprises us, doesn't he? He's acting in ways that we don't expect. And he does this specifically for the sake of Jesus. It's why St. Paul writes in his second letter to the Corinthians, for the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. The Jesus whose birth we celebrate this day. And here's the great surprise. Jesus isn't just any child. 
Jesus is true God in human flesh and blood. In the gospel for this day, St. John refers to Jesus as the Word. Jesus, the Word, is the eternal Son of God. There was never a time when he wasn't with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And yet the Word just wasn't with God, but along with the Father and the Holy Spirit, he is God. And he was in the beginning, and all things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. And in the fullness of time, the Word who is true God from eternity The Word became man. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, as St. John writes. What an incredible, great surprise. It's what we celebrate this day. This day isn't about presents. It's not about family get-togethers. This day is about the almighty, the all-powerful God becoming one of us. God takes on human flesh and blood in the person of Jesus and becomes our brother. How profound is this? What a great surprise this is. Yet in the midst of our rejoicing, the devil and the world and the sinful flesh stand close by to dampen our spirits, as we heard earlier. They tempt us to sin by leading us to forget how incredible of a surprise this truth is. Now in his commentary on the gospel according to St. John, Martin Luther writes of a fictitious tale about a man who simply remains standing, neither genuflecting nor removing his hat, while the words, and was made man, from the Nicene Creed were spoken. Luther goes on to say, while all other people were dropping to their knees, were praying, chanted devoutly, this man showed no reverence. And it's here where the devil steps up to the man And he hits him so hard that the man's head spin. The devil goes on to say this. If God had become an angel like me, and the congregation said, God was made an angel, I would bend not only my knees, but my whole body to the ground. And you vile human creature, you stand there like a stick or a stone. You hear that God did not become an angel, but a man like you, and you just stand there like a stick of wood. Again, this is a fictitious story, and yet it would have us consider this day. How do we respond when we hear that Jesus is true God in human flesh and blood? That the eternal word of God becomes flesh and dwells among us. Are we like the congregation in Luther's writing, bending the knee in holy awe and reverence at this great miracle? At this great surprise, are we like this man? Standing there like a stick of wood, simply going through the motions, 
day after day, week after week, month after month. The devil would love nothing more than for us to grow complacent, to become bored with this great supply surprise that God has taken on human flesh and blood in the person of Jesus. And for those times where we have grown complacent and bored, for the times that we've been led to believe this isn't that big of a deal, we should repent of our sins. For next to the blessed mystery that God is triune, that there is only one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Next to this blessed mystery is the blessed mystery that Jesus is true God and true man. And there's a reason why God comes to his creation in the flesh and blood of Jesus. St. John writes, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. As true God, Jesus comes into a world lost in the darkness of sin and death. The sin and death that comes as a result of Adam's fall into sin. Jesus comes into the world that has rejected him as Lord, as creator, as the one through whom all things were made. And what we should be expecting is that the holy, almighty God has come to earth to wipe us off the face of the earth once and for all and to condemn us to life eternal, uh, eternal torment for all eternity. And again, the great surprise. God doesn't. Instead, having been conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, God has taken on human flesh in the baby of Jesus in order to redeem human flesh. He comes to save us from our sin and death. As the promised seed of the woman, he's come to crush the lying head of the serpent, Satan. As was promised long ago to Adam and Eve. As the promised seed of Abraham, God has come to bestow upon the people of all nations God's eternal blessings of forgiveness and life. As the promised seed son of David, he has come to establish his kingdom, the kingdom of God forever and ever. As true God, Jesus has human flesh and blood, that there would be a body that could be tempted in every single way that we are, yet without sin. There's a body that would be able to keep the law of God, perfectly for us. Jesus has human flesh and blood in order that there would be a body, a body to bear the sin of the world. Jesus has human flesh and blood in order that there's a body that could be hung from the cross and suffer God's punishment and wrath for sin. Jesus, as true God in human flesh and blood, is born a baby so that he might die a man. 
And not only that, so that he might rise from the dead, proving once and for all that he has won the victory over sin and death and the devil. And there's another great surprise to this. Jesus does all of this for you. He does all of this that we may no longer walk in the darkness of sin and death, but walk in the light of His forgiveness and life. The forgiveness and life that He won for you through His death on the cross and through His resurrection from the dead. Jesus does all of this so that you may no longer be a child of wrath, but as a child of God, an offspring of Abraham, heirs of eternal life with him forever and ever. Fellow redeemed, this day is filled with surprises, isn't it? And while the world around us celebrates surprises that will pass away, let us go forth from here this day. And every day of our lives, rejoicing in this great surprise from God, that is, Himself. Now in the manger we may see God's Son from eternity, the gift from God's eternal throne, here clothed in our poor flesh and bone. The very Son of God sublime enters into earthly time to lead us from this world of cares to heaven's courts as blessed heirs. All this for us, our God has done, granting love through his own Son. Therefore, all Christendom rejoice and sing with praise with endless voice. Alleluia. Merry Christmas. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.